0: Say a totaso,
1: you know what? A totaso, a fucking totaso. I think in the 1970s, uh, you it was pre digital, you'd reached the pinnacle of uh, analog audio capabilities and you get stuff like the dodecahedral uh speaker which are like giganticized dungeons and dragons dice mm-hmm. and um perfect for listening to like Vandergraph Generator's double album in quad you know like the kind uh, of shit that makes uh women just go crazy like
0: girls love it girls love it when you try to when you when when you say hey you need to like stand in this part of the room and squat down 25% of the way to really, really feel the music.
1: Girls love it when you uh, they're, they're trying to tell you something and you put your finger to their lips and say... Not right now. You got to listen to this uh, sequence from "Farewell to Kings." I, I have the speakers perfectly calibrated for the twelve-string guitar. Movement. Don't
0: ruin it with your voice, God yeah. damn it!
1: Please don't ruin it. Don't make me. Uh, don't make me project another frequency that cancels your voice out, yeah. so I can enjoy Getty Getty Lee's synthesizer playing in, in uh, Xanadu.
0: <laughs> Look, all right. Bill Evans is playing 11-4. Unless you're talking in 11-4, <laughs> I'm not interested. So that's Dave Brubeck, not Bill yeah. Evans. Bill Evans also has a weird sense of rhythm, though, and enjoys playing with odd time signatures. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, saw, I saw Dave Brubeck. Uh, I mean, obviously, before he died. Uh, you able to see him after. Uh, I, I saw Dave Brubeck. It's one of my first concerts. Um, I, I went to Toronto uh, as, a, as but a young lad uh, with a girl I had a crush on. And I saw Dave Brubeck, how'd that go? Um I mean, I we're no we're, we're not together. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've since moved on. This Christmas uh, you
1: will be visited by the ghost of 3 Dave Brubecks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you yeah, and you're going to try to like and you're going to try to get them to fix their song, right? You're going to be like, "Look, Dave, buddy, 114, that's a really high number to go over a 4. You consider just a second four on top of that four easy just make it you normal know? buddy yeah, just just make it real here's the other thing dave check this out you've got a lot of like let's turn up the intensity but let's turn down the frequency you can just align it with the one two three four yeah we'll take
1: we'll take about three quarters of those away um a bunch of those we'll have the one that happens happen in the same place every single time
0: oh and um the that's very heavy on the snare with the brushes Let's make it more of a kick drum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, Excellent. Now things. we're gonna bring this. We're gonna bring the snare back in, but boy, you're gonna be surprised where it goes. <laughs> it's not gonna
1: happen quite as frequently, and when it happens, it's gonna happen at exactly the same velocity every time and volume.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This swing feel that you've got going. We will still put a swing on some of the beats, but this sort of. Um, it's going to be more side chain compression than you might be used to working with. Yes. And some congas. We're going to need some congas, yeah. but not right away. We're going to save oh, those. Oh, no, 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 That's going to be when, when the rave goes absolutely crazy when Dave Brubeck comes out. Yeah, those congas have got me acting a rotter. <laughs> Yo, I saw, I saw Dave Brubeck in Ibiza in 2003 before it got all commercial.
1: Just completely <laughs> off my tits, losing it to Dave Brubeck on the dance floor. I'm going mental, just,
0: go, just, uh, just pawing at my own face, telling people I love them while uh, spinning the Dave Brubeck quartet. And <laughs> you're listening to Wonderful Copenhagen. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, I, I feel like I feel like eleven four is the only Dave Brubeck song I can really pull. I can't even pull a single Bill Evans. Yeah. Um, you know, I listened to a lot of though recently is Bill Charlip, a jazz pianist who has a Live at the Village Vanguard album that is very nice for walking around uh, the autumn streets of London. That's the autumn streets of London, for what's those of the, you listening. What's the kick pattern on that? Oh, uh, much more jazzy. Yeah, uh, okay. I, look, I have some notes for all of these guys, <laughs> but it's still pretty good. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's us. It's, it's, it's Riley and Dan. It's the bottom and You know what it is. Yeah. Uh we're we're here once again to talk about uh audiophile stuff.
1: Yeah, and how to fix jazz
0: records. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you did we're it fixing wrong. jazz records. Yeah, you like it. it. Look, <laughs> I didn't get the BBC reference Tannoy's uh, and hook them hook them up to a a tube amp that would have been from a completely different time. <laughs> uh, I didn't do all of that just so I could hear you mucking around on all of these strange half measures. No. Keep it in order. That's
1: right. One, two, three, four. It's not rocket science.
0: Oh, I am very excited. I'm going to see. What am I going to see? I'm going to see. I'm going to see a whole bunch of techno people in a couple of days from time from now. Uh, in 48 hours, I'll actually be leaving. I'll have left a while ago. Uh, in 48 hours, but I'll have had a great time, sort of for the pre- preceding eight or so hours, uh, I, which I'm really looking forward to. I saw live music
1: for the first time in, in like. Probably since COVID started when I was in New York and it was great. And uh, yeah. I just like, I, I'm very excited that shows are coming back for, for a number of reasons, but mainly because mm-hmm. I love standing in a room and just being, uh, just having my head blown off by, uh, by rock and roll
0: music or, or techno. Don't yeah. care. Perfect. Either one. Either one. Either way. Um, I, it's, for, for me, it's going to be going and being like, ah, Ben Clock. Please please do the Ben Clock stuff to my <laughs> to my head and chest now. Thank yes, you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Paula Temple, please continue.
1: <laughs> I'm just really glad these like like silent concert, silent rave
0: things like I, oh, that's, I those, I'm, those I'm glad suck. that's over. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid that of that. That was uh, very annoying. Uh I went to a party once where that was uh that was going on. And it was a great party, but I was like, I don't want to put on headphones. Uh feels silly to me. Yeah. Not cool. Uh, not not a would, com, not a communal experience. No. Uh, if look if everyone's got, has on headphones, take them off and act the rotter. I That's think. right. That's right. Yeah. No. Uh, we ta- Look, we got we got a lot. We got way too much to, to on the on the agenda today to be filling it all with. Uh, you know natter about speakers and who's going where and what dave brubeck should do with his uh drum <laughs> drum fills
1: although we do have some ideas so tune in to the bonus episode yeah. where we uh
0: d- d- deconstruct jazz albums yeah and then reconstruct them again but better like yeah. we might like them more um no uh look speaking of music speaking of music uh spotify has recently published a beyond music strategy uh because they are going beyond music as you
1: beyond know. music where are they where are they uh are they they're just leaving music behind and moving on to something else uh yeah no more no more music for them uh they're right. they're, they're done with it i'm fucking free <laughs> amazing <laughs> <laughs> ask the um, la vista spotify <laughs> uh
0: yeah they well they they call it the 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 audio strategy really they're looking to the? Yeah, I know they're 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 big on big in audio, but they're looking to get beyond it. Um, they're they're looking to go uh, to own your ears. Is the um, is 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 what they're talking about? Spotify wants to own your ears. Uh, they want to anything you're listening to. Uh, they want to be through their, um, through their platforms and so on and so on. And this is all sort of massively happened, This has been happening sort of a great deal in the last, um. Sort of year, they've stepped up a lot of their acquisitions because um, they're uh, they just have a bunch of money in the bank, obviously. Uh, and so they've said, you know, we all, we talk, we know how like they, 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 they expanded into podcasting. They tried to do video a little bit more. Well, yep. now they're basically trying to buy audiobooks and also, but what strike and, and like fine, that was sort of inevitable from what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when what they, <laughs> Adam Adam Weiner, their head of content <laughs> strategy, analytics, and insights. Phil, I mean, it's Black either Adam and
1: Adam, we- or no. What is it? What's it? What's his name? Eck Daniel uh, Daniel Eck Daniel Eck Daniel Eck Phil Eck produced uh, the early Modest Mouse records. He's the good Eck. Um, <laughs> the good, Ak.
0: the one good Eck. Daniel Eck uh, is the bad Eck. It could, bleh, we hate Daniel Eck in Mad Magazine terms. Say, exactly. Um, well, he could be called Adam Weiner. It could be also Adam Weiner. Uh, both funny names. Um, he is Spotify's head of content strategy, analytics, and insights. And he said in Fast Company Magazine, um, if you look at what people are posting about, how they're talking about the different podcast providers out there, we're not just winning users, we're winning the conversation. Or maybe we're winning users because we're winning the conversation. What are they... The fuck, yeah. man? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing, right? If your whole thing is actually just based on not paying and providing a product for money, but getting that product largely for free in terms of music, then you have to kind of... If that's you, the trade that you've made, if that's the core of your business, you have to invent a bunch of bullshit on top of that to justify like why you need to keep employing no, a head No of
1: one weiner. has
0: ever been as
1: high on their own supply as these people, you know? Mm-hmm. like they have their supply in a spray paint can and they're mm-hmm. duct taping the fucking windows shut and just <laughs> going to town, you know.
0: Oh yeah, the the insides of their lungs are vanta black at this point. Yes. And so it says that what they want to win is the quote digital conversation. Okay. Cool. Is that what is that what we're having right now? I but guess, they say <laughs> I guess we're so. We're winning, they say we're winning the users because they're winning the are they winning this conversation? They're not invited to this conversation, you know. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, Adam Weiner, uh, you can't come on The Bottleman. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we're just, just going to have the podcast about list guys on again to talk about another episode of Corner Cats. Adam Weiner, you can
1: come on The Bottleman, but, you ha- uh, but it will be a special episode that we record uh, inside the abandoned Five Roses Flower Factory on the St. Lawrence River in the industrial <laughs> port of Montreal. It will be recorded <laughs> at 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> you are not to bring your phone or any listening devices. <laughs>
0: um so they 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 talk about this idea of winning the comp which again is it's it feels like tech bullshit from five to six years ago it feels strangely anachronistic yeah and i as talking about this as someone who is a real connoisseur of tech bullshit um so you know this is all part of their next phase of audio expansion thing right so we talk about how they're acquiring audiobook services and the audiobook distribution company find a way right they're Fun. operating multiple multiple businesses. They're also offering people audiobook creation services under a business called Find Away Voices. Okay, um, so they're they're but,
1: uh, they're disrupting
0: publishing, but yeah, on the finally, on the
1: audiobook side, that's fucking that's great. I love it.
0: But it also basically, it's, well, here's what's interesting, right? And when we sort of see the rest of this, you'll sort of see this come out that all of these tech companies are just these tech platforms are just becoming one another. Yes, so. They are now becoming a commercial bookseller and audiobook publisher, which Amazon already did, which Google already did.
1: And, um, and they are dumping and they, they are uh, dumping money into video podcasting, which is just YouTube, which already exists.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, they, they say, with this acquisition, we're going to be able to accelerate the addition of an audiobook catalog onto the platform so that users can effectively get all the audio content that they want on one platform. Uh, and this was uh, Nur Zurcherman. Uh, who's the head of audiobooks at Spotify? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a chat with The Verge, and it's like, well, hang, on, but but and and look, I, I I know that they're they are trying to compete with one another for the same markets, but if you're actually just living, if you are actually just living in the world, right? It seems increasingly like there's just there's very little. It's the idea that uh, it, sorry, I'll start this again. If you're just living in the world, it feels like you just have a much harder time navigating it through things that are just split up and fragmented over a bunch. It's why I think that anti-monopoly is kind of like kind of wrong-headed. I'm mm-hmm. I mean because all it does is increase competition and fragmentation, which makes all this shit harder to use and makes their either their data collection activity or their uh worker exploitation more or both much more intensive because they're competing with one another on they're they are competing with one another harder for more of it. Yes. Right? So uh, and, and in this case, it's like, well, what's happened is Spotify is just trying to be like Amazon for books. So it's like, okay, well, I guess there, I, I now have to check several different um, audiobook suppliers, or if maybe one's going to be exclusive on one platform. So it's like,
1: well, this is already a thing. It's already. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who like, I, I mean, this is kind of a detour, but like, this is more of a tour tale, but you know, one thing about me is that before I got like a, like a e-reader, basically I, I would take just way too many books on tour and I would buy books while I was on tour. So Mm -hmm. I became an early adopter of like iBooks and, and, uh, and the Kindle bookstore. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I fucking, I I could just load it up and sit in the van and it would take up space in my suitcase. But you know, it, as someone who who spends money on those platforms, it is already totally fragmented. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, there are, especially when you deal with like uh, small publishers, you know, you might be buying directly from an author or, you know, yeah. like if you're buying Corner Gas fan fiction, for instance.
0: Yeah, of course. But also like when it's, I feel like with the, um, well, they always like to talk about this as democratization, right? They say, mm-hmm. They're they trying to make audiobooks a richer experience with democratization so more people can create and publish them. Yeah, maybe more people can create and publish them. But as ever, anytime Spotify talks about democratization, we know every single time what they mean is that so 0.2% of the people creating the audiobooks have a living on them. Exactly. Everyone else is just in a long tail of people with hobbies making money for Spotify. Flooding, flooding content, yes. Yeah. And... You know, I mean, it's it's the same thing they said about music, right? Where they we want people to be able to um, make, we want everyone to be able to upload their music and then, you know, because we're the platform, etc. But now, what, like, point, I think I read a, st- a statistic today that point two percent of artists in the UK make a living from streaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it, so just like they've looked at audiobooks and, and, and book authory and we're like, too many people are making a full time living from this. We can get that number lower. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can, can get re- that down. We can
1: reduce those
0: numbers. I mean, they had yeah, yeah. these big reserves
1: of cash, and this is what they're doing with them, right? Like mm-hmm. like the capitalization was what? Like
0: in the billions. Yes, absolutely. And and they they're they're making more money from subscription. They just made a billion from ad revenue recently this year as a big milestone. Right. And so they're they're taking all of this money that is be, that they're taking all of this money from people who are, but on the basis that like people aren't making a living being a, an an artist. They, because so long as some as most artists have their art mainly as a hobby or make fucking starvation wages, yeah, then they have enough money to innovate to push that model to other uh, areas. Now, That's I'm, right. I'm now Amazon's already pretty much comprehensively flooded the uh a uh, sort of ebook and audiobook zone uh, in- entirely, right? Yeah. That that's pretty that's been hard to make a living off of that uh since like since the years that you know uh, like the, the magazine journalists were going and living in anthropology ads uh in paris in the middle of the century exactly uh, the other thing spotify is doing with all of your money basically whenever someone listens to a wolf parade song is they're also developing just other clones of other things on on other platforms um because they, because uh, all they're doing is looking, at what's succeeding elsewhere, and how can we get people having, engaging in ser- the same services elsewhere to engage in the same services, but in, with our branding, and so they have yeah. this new thing called Green Room. They say, um, they are uh, they've acquired something called uh, Locker Room, a, a live audio app that allows you to set up a Twitter Spaces-like environment where you can listen, type comments, and so on and so on. Everyone's right? trying to do Clubhouse except Clubhouse which is like cratering in terms of its revenue.
1: Yeah, do you yeah. think that maybe the cratering of Clubhouse would lead like Twitter and Spotify to do like people people uh, do that thing on Discord, right? Like yeah. Discord is the environment for that. You don't need yeah. like a Discordization of Spotify.
0: Well, it's also just like Clubhouse came in with 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 to the market was this thing that was just like kind of weak and you could just see all these other bigger monsters just fucking ripping it apart Well, did you ever spend any time on clubhouse because i did (laughs) uh yeah i spent like three minutes on there once and i was like this is annoying i don't like this i'll just listen i want to listen to stuff that i like as opposed to so people having sort of half conversations in a in a room performatively for others it sucks
1: well i noticed the i noticed that when it when it first launched it was immediately colonized by um like two distinct, distinct groups like wellness groups which some of which were like borderline q, like pastel q mm-hmm. uh like wellness groups and then success mindset vaguely defined uh silicon valley shit yeah all those um, people
0: are promoting scam cryptocurrencies now exactly yeah just grifters like total literally everybody on both sides of that coin promoting a scammy cryptocurrency now
1: absolutely and i participated in a couple of clubhouse uh like meetups that uh the wolf raid front of house and tour manager set up to basically have a space for musicians and uh techs and and artists to talk about how they were dealing with the pandemic and it was great but her idea represented 0.001% of what was going on on that platform. And the interface was fucking janky and it sucked. So it's just like, and there's discord that already exists or any other platform, you know, where you can get together and do that. And
0: yeah, Uh, well, uh, Spotify's got it now. Uh, So it's there just like Twitter spaces. It's just another, another, another example of them just converging on a point of just all kind of trying to do everything but shittily mm-hmm. uh but also you know what else it's doing it's got something called spotify discover Uh-oh. where again and i'm sure for paying a fucking extortionate like by just giving up your your royalties and also paying yeah like two hundred dollars um they have a short form video content feed okay so this, so this is it's also doing a tiktok it's doing tiktok yeah
1: yeah yeah, is yeah, it yeah, yeah. in any way is Spotify discover in any way linked to their um, their thing where you pay them extra money as an artist and they uh, they push you up the algorithm, but you take like a you take like a cut on your royalties.
0: Uh, so I I don't know because the feature is only still being tested, um, but you know it's the I mean if they want if their whole point is they want to see because the whole point of these kinds of tech platforms is just to is just to like force people to, trans- to communicate through you, to transact through you and all this, then, I mean, I think they-, they just look at what everyone else is doing. I mean, this is part of the own the year strategy, right? Look at what everyone else is doing and then just uh, do that, but hastily and worse and probably have it cost fucking millions of dollars to, to create um, and uh, you know, test and then sort of bin when it stops working in you know, two months and no one's on it.
1: There's something really upsetting about these... These digital ecosystems, like I've been thinking about this a lot lately in, in that it, it kind of uh, reminds me of like uh, our, some of our conversation with Jeff Vandermeer, uh, where basically you, you can consider Spotify as the event site, like just warping uh, the sort of warping the landscape around it as these little uh, areas spring up. And like you say, they're usually shittily constructed or confusing, and then they're just kind of left to die you know Mm -hmm. like i i I think the precursor to that was like what what happened with the itunes store and then apple music you know Mm -hmm. or google wave or google wave yeah that's that's another good one yeah (laughs) i love getting a wave from my friends yeah Um, boy mate i'm giving you a wave
0: (laughs) i'm giving a wave the bride sorry everybody um But they also have, they've also tried doing Spotify stories and, and all this. And it's like all of the, I think when you think about this, really, a lot of this money just represents a massive transfer of wealth from musicians to software engineers. Yes. You have no
1: new ideas. Like nobody's got any new no. ideas here. Like...
0: No, not a single new idea. Nothing. Uh, I mean, they, they, at, all, at all of these platforms, there, there is a core single idea, which is... How are we going to get something for free and then monetize redistributing it on a mass scale? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that's not all of them necessarily. I mean, some of them are just giant logistic companies that are doing sales on a huge scale. But the content-based platforms, I always ask the question, how do we get people to do something for free or for next to free and monetize it on a large scale? And it's just... And watching them try to continue justifying their own existence, because you can't stop moving. <laughs> okay. You can't stop innovating. Yeah. If you stop innovating, then you die because someone else will out innovate you. Mm-hmm. And so you just get this approach where they need to have as much money. It's almost like like um like football in Europe, right? Where all the clubs need to have need to charge people as much as they do, need to have as much debt as they do because there's always a bank willing to lend money to one of them to pay massively over the odds for the best players. And so then that just makes the salar- the player salaries ratchet up and up and are the transfer costs ratchet ratchet up, 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 up up. But then, that but then that 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 just pushes all again all those costs go up because if you want to stay competitive you need to keep paying that much which means you have tons and tons of debt which means you offload a lot of that onto your fans and it's just it's, I, I think it's the same thing with these right it's that if if Spotify, Spotify is not it's not just enough that it has a service it has to have as much money as it does which means it has to keep charging poverty wages to musicians mm-hmm. um not such as it does uh so that it can. Continue to try to make sure it still exists because it may because it looks at people on TikTok and then has to be oh shit people are on TikTok they need to be on Spotify and you know in terms of the actual people who are listening to and making music there's very little it does very little for them it's uh, if anything it makes the whole you know I saw an article today while I was just putting this together but it says if you want to get on one of the um, studying playlists make music at 112 BPM yeah that's right yeah
1: i've i've also heard that too because it's like the it's just under 120 it's like the it's the classic like relaxed disco tempo is like mm-hmm.
0: 112
1: 113
0: but it's it's the 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 simple fact of spotify i think and it's especially apparent here as it tries to like get out of music the only reason it exists is that it's just it, it's influence on like what culture actually is the experience of making and consuming it has been so pernicious. I mean, it's made everyone a curator, which is sort of nice in terms of access, but at at the cost of what? At the cost of the increased homogenization, the cost of artists not being able to actually do the fucking work.
1: It's also made the- artists curators too, because like you know, if you are a musician who is like kind of scrambling for any little scrap of work you can get and you make electronic music you might have noticed there are tutorials up for making like sample packs basically Mm -hmm. and those sample packs are going to be free but if they're used by let's say uh, a Polish rapper who has a hit you're going to get a chunk of the streaming right Mm -hmm. so uh, that to me is like that's a a bit of a warning sign (laughs) I think. Well, I mean, uh, like Spotify, the, it's the it's the industrialization of of uh, creativity uh, in in this sort of art form to a level that is like above and beyond anything I've ever seen before, and I mean, and it's already so there's,
0: happening. There's um there's a, a company that I, I'm sort of aware of um sort of peripherally called Session, which is co-founded by the guys from ABBA. Okay, which is um, band. Uh yeah. <laughs> nothing bad to say about ABBA. I love ABBA. Yeah. <laughs> SOS,
1: one of the greatest songs
0: ever written. So I mean it's um it is a uh a, a rights management um uh app basically allows you to um it's um let's say it it allows metadata to be traceable through the entire lifetime of a song. Okay. So I, as as I understand it, right? Um where I mean, I think this is, if you like that, that's that looks like what it does is it 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 looks like it is further entrenching that relationship between a that you're talking about, right? The indust the industrial uh, sort of you know like ledger logic of um sort of you know of, of the sample the sample factories that you're discussing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh you know, it, it's bizarre that that Spotify
1: mostly Spotify other streaming services too have kind of created this like future present where, you know, you think about working in like a Brill building style song factory and you think that sounds pretty nice. I can express myself creative creatively there, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas the current reality is just grim. Like what do you do? You go to the, the, um, chill Soviet wave beats to study to, uh, you know, playlist and you, you analyze the songs, you extract the BPM you spend hours and hours making a sample pack in Ableton with the hopes that someone will grab one of those samples and, you know, because they're thinking the same thing you are, uh, they want to get playlisted, so they want to get it right, you know? So they'll uh, they'll take one of those sample packs and just make a song out of it and then maybe you're going to get some streaming money. I mean, fuck, man, my sound exchange check, which is where, like, my streaming royalties come in, for the last month was $100, and it's not like anyone's streaming things less. It's just I'm getting paid less. It's, uh,
0: uh, is, and and that is that is mind-boggling. Stan Stan, uh, Stan Dan Beckner, stream Wolf Parade. Um, that is mind-boggling. Don't. I mean, it's it doesn't amazing. seem yeah. to matter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's what, what like what the thing that the thing that like all these pro- these platforms promise democratization. But what actually happens, right, is that the creation of any any creative act um becomes much more of a desperate gamble i think yeah you that you that everything you, that you either win huge yes 0.1 percent of the time or win not at all
1: yeah and re- taking a risk and and in this case uh risk taking would be like maybe i'm not going to analyze the most popular uh playlist and i'm just going to write uh Something that that occurs to me in my imagination, or something that I feel sounds good—that's that's, that's uh, risk taking. Now, mm-hmm. you know, that's a huge yeah. risk because you risk getting nothing.
0: And I mean, if you want to do one more right of, of sort of these uh, these services becoming one another, I mean, they are always trying to become YouTube. But one of the things that they've done now is they become more YouTube because they have intelligent ad insertion or they claim it's intelligent Mm -hmm. where now for audiobooks and podcasts and stuff they can say um they they can again use that like 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 facebook and 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 youtube sell ads or like youtube dynamically inserts them you could you can just pop them in there right they they can now just um so you can buy a you uh, you can record a podcast put it uh, upload it and spotify can dynamically insert an ad into it um, and, uh, again, using again, another firm that they bought and incorporated into their tech stack. And that's just, it's just YouTube. That's just audio YouTube. Um, and I don't know, it's, it is, I think it's, look, I, 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 I consider myself a Luddite in this act that like, I, I tend to think that like, because, well, the, what the Luddites actually believed was that like, if, if a piece of technology does not assist human flourishing, Right. If it does not contribute to the good of humanity, then it ought not to exist. Yeah. Um, so
1: the yeah. Uh, Roland TB-303 uh, baseline generator assists humanity in getting freaky at raves. So that's that's a good piece of tech. <laughs> yeah. The 909 yep. with its signature swing on the hi-hats and uh, over-compressed conga sound, that stays.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, The podcast ad firm Megaphone that dynamically inserts ads uh, into uh, this podcast itself. Uh, I'm sorry. Eh. Yeah, I'm taking.
1: I'm I'm, I'm taking an axe to that like a luddite would take an axe to a loom.
0: Yeah, that's. Oh, I hate a loom. Ooh. We
1: all hate the loom. Um,
0: But also on the other end, YouTube is just becoming Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Uh, Because now they're trying to. Now YouTube's trying to have a podcast division. Oh, I didn't know that. I know they have YouTube
1: Music, which is kind of a a good place to go and find, say, like a Slovenian industrial band's uh, only cassette, you know.
0: I mean, or uh, if you're like, man, I sure would like to listen uh, to this, um, uh, 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 you know, five hour Speedy J mix. Uh, I sure (laughs) would like to be able to do it while turning my phone screen off. it's like, great. But why did I have to buy an extra service just to do it with my phone screen off?
1: Fuck, that's actually a good point. It's just like Spotify, like YouTube almost already does what Spotify does better <laughs> Like <laughs> for for a certain type of music consumer, like someone like me, if I had to choose a platform, you know? That's
0: right. That's like, because anyway. I want
1: I want that five-hour Speedy J mix, and I'm not going to be able to find it on Spotify.
0: I'm going to listen to that five-hour Speedy J mix in my walk home tonight. Um, yeah. But look, Spotify has been listening to artists. So that, as part, as around the same time as this, sort of um, own the ears, win the conversation, um, put ads into everything, copy every what every other company does, and put ads into it. Strategy. They've also listened to artists. Dan, you can rejoice. Tear up that hundred dollar check that you got from your streaming service (laughs) because something better is coming. The shuffle button is no longer on by default. Thank you, Adele. For I mean, I personally,
1: I know. That everyone who listens to any of the uh, many records that I've made uh, has a that they're they've all got very long attention spans, and when they listen to them, they start at the first song, they sit down and they listen to the whole thing front to back.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well it's- yeah,
1: that's what they've been clamoring for. What a <laughs> fucking joke, man!
0: <laughs> you don't have yeah. to have
1: shuffle one; just turn it off.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: let people do what they want. Who cares? Yeah. Your record isn't telling a story. You didn't make uh, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> also, like, I, I mean, it, just, it, it sort of goes to show, I think, like, you know, I mean, I, I don't think this really even needed showing, but these people are just never going to change. No. There is, never go, there is never going to be a more humane Spotify. It's never going to make enough money. It's just going to, like, the more, it's the more, it's, it's almost like uh, that capital is dead labor that lives, that sucks off of living labor. And the more it, the more it grows, the more it sucks. Is that you know? Spotify is just it just it takes the labor of musicians and turns them into stupid features that no one will engage with.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I I will say like I'll admit that at the you know at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was involved with a with an organization that was you know partially dedicated to trying to unionize freelancers, which is musicians, which is you've ever been in a union before or know anything about labor organizing it's very difficult mm-hmm. to organize a bunch of uh individuals who are literally all competing against each other it's it's hard mm-hmm. and uh but their but their other main focus was to shame spotify pressure legislators and, and just publicly shame spotify for the for the way they do their for their business practices and at the, uh, when i first started you know getting into this i was like this this could possibly work but then quickly i was like no <laughs> the only way this is going to work is if there is massive legislation in favor of artists against spotify if they are treated like you know an exploitative uh monopoly or they're just broken, I mean, broken up entirely
0: we have seen we've seen legisl. we have seen successful legislation against um against tech giants um i would like to i mean i i would love if uh, uh, uh you know you let me rewrite Bill C ten. Yeah, how about exactly.
1: that? Exactly. Give Riley a crack at it.
0: <laughs> Let me have a go. Give him I a go. You take a what go. Am at gonna it. Do a, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? A worse job than the other guys? Come on. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't possibly happen. <laughs> look, look. That's that's what's going on in the world. I want to look at Halifax. Oh,
1: Halifax. You know, famous for a lot of things. Uh, their Donair kebab uh, and just a fucking exploding real estate market. Yeah. Actually. I should take that back. It's not good to mention explosion in Halifax in the same sentence.
0: <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it's just recently. Halifax is blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why, is there some kind of... I, I just remember learning about that from a Heritage Minute. And <laughs> I was like, no, Ron, why are you on the telegraph? There's got to be a better way. One of the biggest explosions uh, to ever do it, you know? Yeah i mean look for it was way ahead of its time as an explosion you know i mean yeah look okay right you've got various like you know nuclear explosions the 20th century like that's fine but like for the time like you would have been baffled at the halifax explosion yeah yeah it was like oh that's god it
1: was after the tunguska uh event but before the Tsar bomba you know
0: (laughs) right low halifax security forum um Canada's contribution to uh the uh world of the blob uh it's it's the, the when the blob descends on western canada has an annual nerdy 5k and gets a donaire.
1: halifax um, security forum a uh, famously canadian event that uh was manufactured and had and is headquartered in washington <laughs> dc
0: <laughs> so uh th- this year is for it basically it's basically like a it's it's more of it's like a like a it's like a, a heritage foundation, um, uh, it's it's a heritage it's it's like it it's where the Heritage Foundation gets its foreign policy from the Council on Foreign Relations.
1: If if you were a young <laughs> More or less. Uh, if you were a young kid and and well the other kids around you were like were like, I wanna be an astronaut, I wanna be a fireman, and you were like, I would like to be a lanyard. Uh, like oh, I would like to be an here. anthropomorphized lanyard uh, that also, well, also has access to like a d- weirdly dry and wet at the same time buffet.
0: Ew. So, um, the plenary sessions of this year's forum were the next nine eleven from Kabul, from Kabul or from California or from some lab we haven't heard of yet. Oh, wow! Yeah, wow. Uh, Here's the my favorite one. The my the, the top name of a plenary session at the Halifax Security Forum comes early. W W J M D. What do you think W W J M D stands for?
1: W W J M D.
0: Now it's it's like W W J D. What would yeah. Jesus do? So what's what's J M in this? I don't know. Come on, who would they love? uh James United Murphy. States. What would James yeah. Murphy do? He would
1: he but, would make an he would make an incredible record and then break up the band yeah. and then uh say that they were never playing again and then every he would do this over and over every 3 years and then be like okay uh we're playing 20 nights at Brooklyn Steel but the tickets are like a, they're like $5,000.
0: Oh, i would pay that for lcd look i know i famously just like techno but i also really like jazz and lcd sound system and some of like the sort of seattle portland alternative rock 1990s
1: i would love to go to one of those brooklyn steel shows but sadly can't do it oh uh, well, well hey
0: you know what let's look well we'll let's just tweet at him until he does it okay okay that's it's uh if you're listening uh tweet at james murphy and tell him to do another brooklyn steel show uh for me and dan in particular
1: but no one else by brooklyn steel we mean um sala rosa montreal and um yes i don't know also. where's a place you like to hang
0: no let's do it while you're here yeah yeah, uh, yeah. we'll Christmas do it while i'm show. in montreal in december yeah um, all right that's yeah, okay settled. good excellent so, uh james so, no so come on jm ww what would john mccain do <laughs> john mccain would get shot down like a
1: bitch <laughs> <laughs> that's right to be fair these guys love doing that <laughs> yeah he would he would get captured and rat on every single one of his uh his countrymen
0: uh hashtag stand together on china i don't think they got it trending he would sire an
1: insufferable daughter who is on television for some reason
0: <laughs> yeah that's what they're all doing in the halifax forum he, he would th- the most <laughs> expensive funeral ever yeah <laughs> they're just there pumping away trying to sire an annoying daughter yeah <laughs> um uh, fires and landslides and droughts oh my it's cool okay great. i love i love the, the just the glib uh, uh um approach to the apocalypse uh china's quantum leap backward oh really where where did they leap backward to <laughs> yeah also like wait aren't are they just now the richest country in the world like they are what? as of like last
1: week they're yeah. quantum leap backward into being the richest country in the world but what <laughs> but really what have what they lost morally that's the question
0: mm, uh, so here here's uh, informal sessions i'm just going to tell you a few of these that i liked uh <laughs> afghanistan colon why that's a fucking smog
1: lyric that's a bill callahan lyric afghanistan america
0: why uh another one belarus hijacked uh by ngos (laughs) (laughs) big tech's freedom test okay Uh, so i I think that that i I, that's the other bit of heritage policy heritage foundation policy sneaking in there um let's see uh climate climate blah 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 dealing with bad faith actors (laughs) um let's see uh uh oh the fight for freedom to the end of history and beyond that's just like that's gone i don't know what they're talking about uh, forward defense america can or america can't uh well i think we found out that america can't uh this one's this one's fucking rich indigenous peoples truth and reconciliation i ran its proxies of evil israel booster session is <laughs> go, going in there just to cheerlead about israel is another great one nato's winning russia's whining amazing amazing yeah, yeah, Russia's definitely uh, NATO's definitely winning. What an, an alliance that goes goes from strength to strength. How's Turkey doing, by the way?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Fuck. Yeah. I've, you
1: know, I as this conference was happening, I had to check in on friend of the pod Justin Ling um, mm-hmm. because he loves this shit. Um, yeah. I I think that the Halifax conference in 2016 or 2017 was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but, uh, I think it was the event that, like, Latvia pilled him, um, and, and was was the catalyst for all those incredible articles, including, uh, including my favorite, uh, is Vladimir Putin uh, stealing our precious bodily fluids and going to, uh, going to affect the 2019 election, you know? So, uh, but he was at this, uh, he was at this, because of course he was. And, um, it was interesting to watch him just like uncritically talk about like what people were talking about. But then his conclusion at the end of, of this whole thing was he was just happy that like COVID was over and we can get back to having these hard conversations about national security. <laughs> and it's just like Ling is the perfect guy for this because what they need, what, what, the, what the people who organize the Halifax conference and the people who speak at it need is a kind of human-shaped frictionless tube that has a platform where they put a piece of information in the tube and then it comes out the other end and shows up in the Globe and Mail or uh, the National Post. And my dad reads it. And then we have to have a fucking half an hour conversation about how Russia isn't communist anymore. That's right. Just, yeah. So, Yeah, it's 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 for
0: tubes, man. It's for the tubes. So the tubes also got Ukraine liberty on the line. Oh baby, and we're we're doing we're doing a little bit more uh, Ukraine talk this episode. Um, but I think it's also worth reminding, reminding everyone, right? That in the 2014 Halifax Security Forum, I don't know if people remember this. Um, uh, Rob Nicholson, who was the Minister of Defence at that point, um, said basically uh, that, that, that was was really really pushing the russia out of ukraine um uh, uh, uh message this is 2014 uh, you say yeah he says oh um,
1: this is this we'll come back to this in a bit yeah. yes okay
0: He's, he says. he said it is certainly my hope that, uh, of, of, is my certainly my hope and the hope of everyone that putin gets my message we're not going to let up on this whether it takes five years or 50 the people of ukraine deserve the freedom they deserve that they fought for
1: yeah, baby, and they got it. They got that freedom in yeah. the
0: form of uh, a, a
1: major gas crisis, an uh, impending war, and uh, an average of three hundred dollars a month in take-home pay. Good job, everyone.
0: Yeah. Also, Wait. who fought for the who fought for the freedom?
1: Uh, I don't know. Some guys, some guys with some crazy ideas. I don't know. Freedom yeah. lovers.
0: Who can say really? But like you, this is this is something that I think. Look. At, so, think about the history of this of this idea, right? That there is the 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 scheming Russians need to be that there there is this that the the war needs to continue, and we found where it's going to continue. It's going to continue in Ukraine. Yes, basically. Yeah, that's our best bet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like it was like that. I was th- I saw that other. That, I, oh my God, I can't remember even who said this. It was a few days ago. Was, yeah, well, if we don't intervene in Donbass, then we can kiss kiss uh, intervention in Taipei goodbye. Okay.
1: So th- like, I, I would like to talk about that, this this new domino theory. And you know, just regarding like the domino theory aspect of it, I don't think that it is any coincidence that we're starting to see NATsec and quote unquote disinformation experts <laughs> uh trying to uh tie these two strands together. The strand of uh Russia is threatening um rules-based international order on the borders of Ukraine and Taiwan needs to be defended at all costs. They're they are they are jamming these things together because I honestly think it's partially because of the uh total discredit uh, the the total discrediting of the steel dossier that happened quietly a few weeks ago where the Washington Post uh retracted some articles. And of course like, you know, there's no apologies uh rachel mad the rachel maddows or justin lings of this world aren't going on television or writing columns saying hey we got it wrong you know wow that was crazy we all got up and caught up in something nutty no uh what's happening is people are pivoting to this this new thing which is somehow taiwan the defense of taiwan and the defense of ukraine are all connected
0: Mm -hmm. yeah of course well it's 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 you you have to find like the, the in order to preserve the rules based, it, it doesn't make sense to have a rules based international order. If you're not enforcing those if no one, if those rules don't have to be enforced at all, right? Yeah. There is no point. Exactly. Um, and I mean, all 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 of these people just want so badly. They just want so badly to have a war. Yes. And it's for reasons we talked about. I think before it's it's reasons about feeling serious, like a big part of history. It's also that like. We live in a very bellicose society. A big part of that is because war is good business. War is very serious. I don't think we've really ever stopped glorifying it. And again, like, and no one likes to beat this drum louder than Canadian Natsec guys. I mean, we may not be, um, you know, steamrollering Dixie Chicks records, right? Uh, but we, in an official capacity, the Canadian state is extraordinarily warlike. It's yeah. no coincidence that the Halifax Forum is in our um, is, is is happening in our country and that uh, sort of our our defense ministers are the ones who are sort of pushing hardest for Cold War three.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I think you can say that we've had three great battles for civilization in, in the last, you know, 75 years. The, one of them was the Cold War. The second was the war on which we won. Obstensively, like we 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 quote-unquote won the cold war um capitalism prevailed you know uh neoliberalism won and then there was the war on terror which uh who could say who won that you know (laughs) Uh, The Uh, audience The audience one It was really for the fans And then uh, Now we have this new thing Which is uh, Almost entirely Devoid of like Concrete ideology It's basically Rules based International order Self-proclaimed Versus Authoritarian governments Or autocracies And
0: Yeah And it just It's just this This idea That there is a threat Out there That's a threat On the basis That they It seems like It's not even Fucking trying
1: Well let's so let's check this new ukraine threat i want to i want to get into how this particular sausage has been made so th- ukraine is back in the news you mentioned 2014 2014 was a year where you would read a lot of articles about how russia was invading ukraine or on the verge of invading ukraine you know uh it was i would say like as close as they ever got to like a, an actual shooting war between the two countries and a lot of it was you know, whatever, it just, everyone knows what happened at Maidan and, and uh, you know, the Donbass separatist movement, all of that. But it is now back. It's back in the news. And I'm just going to read a little bit of this Globe and Mail article uh, that came out yesterday. It's very terrifying article. So, uh, Ukrainian and Western officials are worried that a Russian military buildup near Ukraine could signal plans by Moscow to invade its ex-Soviet neighbor. Uh, The Kremlin insists it has no such intention and has accused Ukraine and its Western backers of making the claims to cover up their own allegedly aggressive designs. Uh, It goes on to line out the uh, Crimean annexation. Um, It goes on to line out troop concentrations uh, that happened after military maneuvers in April. And it goes on to say that U.S. officials concede that Moscow's intentions are unclear, And this is a great, this is the hinge uh, sentence, but point to Russia's past behavior as cause for major concern.
0: Yeah, like when they tried to do, um, when they tried to spread communism throughout uh, Southeast Asia, for example. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like like when they tried to, um, like when they tried (laughs) to position themselves to invade India via uh, uh, the Hindu Kush in the 19th century. Yeah, that stuff. Many brave army subalterns were uh, lost to the um, to the beheaders of uh, sort of Central Asian um, uh, uh, it, it, it sort of rulers of cities like Kiva and uh, 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 <laughs> fuck. What was another one? Fucking, okay, that's fine. Kiva is the only one that leaves yeah. to mind. Yes. That's good enough. Yes.
1: So like. You know, the article goes on to quote uh, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken saying that Putin's, quote, playbook was to build up forces near the border and then definitely invade the country. Uh, And then Blinken says that Putin would claim falsely that Russia was provoked. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, Putin's response to this was that... uh, He said that Moscow's warnings have gotten some traction and caused a certain stress in the West and added that it is necessary to keep them in the condition of stress as long as possible so that it does not occur to them to stage some bigger conflict on our Western borders that we do not need. Um, Mm. So anyway, this is all pretty scary stuff, right? Like,
0: Mm. uh, one thing I also want to say, right, is like states are states. They act like states. States invade each other. Um, I'm not, I, I don't, it's, you're building up troops on the border of somewhere. Maybe you are going to do something and do something, right? Yeah. I'm not, I don't think you should be naive about it, but at the same time, what the fuck are we doing caring about that? Why are we there?
1: Well, and there as, as we'll, as we'll find out, there's some reasons that Russian troops are on the border. And I, and I have to say like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of uh united Russia or like the way that Vladimir Putin runs that country, but To, like you said, Riley, to to not contextualize these things is to kind of um, become a tube for a conduit for this information yourself, you know? Um, So I think the first thing you got to do with an article like this in Globe and Mail, this is a syndicated article, Globe and Mail ran it, you got to think, who wrote this, you know? What is this for? Um, Who's the journalist? So in this case, it's not a journalist. It's a guy named Vladimir uh, Isachenkov. And they do a nice sneaky trick here where they have his name next to the word Moscow. That's where the byline is. So if you don't look up who Isachenkov is, you just assume that this is a citizen journalist, uh, Russian plugged in, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a dissident. You can let your mind go wild. But Isachenkov is an American uh, who works for the Center for Strategic and International Studies based in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Ah, CSIS. Yes. <laughs> CESIS. The real CESIS.
0: <laughs> yeah, perfect.
1: Um, so like, you know, this is a quote unquote partisan think tank whose former members include Henry Kissinger
0: and uh, Brzezinski and CIA director John Brennan. <laughs> so I mean, usually when, when, when we talk about the, um, the the media intelligence nexus, it's not so direct. I am just like, oh, I'll just have one of our guys do it. <laughs> we're not going to bother giving it. We're, we're going to cut out the tube. We're going to try having one of our guys just do it directly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So as to like what the purpose of this article is, all you have to do is kind of look at the top line of funding uh, that uh, the real thesis has. So the top line of funding for this organization is Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, Boeing, General Dynamics, and General Atomics, as well as the governments of Taiwan and the UAE. Mm-hmm. So that's who's uh, paying the bills over there. That's who's play, yeah. paying uh, Isakov's salary. Um, and,
0: then the, you're ju- and you're just supposed to take all of this completely seriously. Yeah, you're supposed to, you're supposed to pretend that like the, the, all of this. And then the problem is, is that the, the, the conduits just read it and then they just re repur- and then everything else they see they just re they see and repurpose in the context of this of of the these of this early stuff absolutely and, and it, the- again and again and again it just gets pushed through the same security forums and and policy briefing papers until it's so ubiquitous it becomes common knowledge
1: yes yeah that's how this article is supposed to work like just like you described like it is kind of a flawless execution of this uh style of like consent manufacturing where basically this piece isn't news or analysis, and every time it gets shared by a member of our media with the caption like "Wow" or something to think about, um, you know the, the coding sloughs off of it, and what you're left with is the real message, which is Russia bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Be afraid,
0: of course. Be be afraid, and then and beg us to uh uh, uh you know uh, beg us to take action before it's too late. Yeah, exactly. Beg us, beg us to protect your freedoms.
1: Um yeah. but but what I want to talk about is is and what's interesting to me is the uh reaction to this specific narrative like inside Ukraine. Um but I also want to give a little context. So like regarding the military buildup on the border, uh according to Howard Altman, who is the editor of this American publication, Military Times Uh, one thing that's happened recently is that the Ukrainian armed forces have started using javelin anti-tank rocket complexes uh, in the Donbass conflict. Mm -hmm. So, listeners might remember, these are U.S. source weapons. There was a big to-do about it during the Trump administration. He was responsible for uh, that deal, that sale. Um, The source on this is the head of intelligence for Ukrainian Ministry of Defense, Kirill Budinov. So, Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're okay. they're like they're like happy about this, you know. They're like we finally get to use our javelins. Uh, they're also using um, for the first time Turkish Bayraktar drones against uh, targets in Donbass. So, mm-hmm. so that's the background. Initially, the Ukrainian government's position on this this art the the thing contained in this article, this war fever that's being propagated by think tanks via the U.S. and now Canadian media, their initial position was that these reports were Russian disinformation. Right. <laughs> More underhanded hybrid warfare,
0: right? <laughs> they were The di- thing we're doing? <laughs> don't believe your lying eyes. It's the Russians lying to you that we're doing it, that they're doing it. Exactly. And Russia had, bad.
1: And like whatever. Like you know, we do know that during those military exerc- exercises, Russia had a lot a lot of those like satellite photos of like um APCs or like fucking missile carriers a lot of those were fake faked. like they had uh you know inflatable AC, apcs at the, <laughs> like so so sure like it uh, it totally makes sense to me that the ukrainian government would think that this was you know a, a piece of like russian disinformation meant to destabilize an already pretty fragile government but uh now that everyone has their story straight the official person uh the official position of the ukrainian government has reversed So now it's all real uh, with high level government officials agreeing that this is the biggest threat that Ukraine has faced since 2014. But the thing they can't decide on is when it's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. some of them believe it's Catholic Christmas, some think January. And the minister of defense, uh, Reznikov, said publicly he doesn't believe that the invasion will happen at all because of the awesome power of the Ukrainian military.
0: That's true. Um, you know, they have a lot of battalions that they've been able to mobilize. Yeah. For example. Yeah. Yeah. And then,
1: you know, for Russia, for its part, is not going to give up what it sees like a part of broader security interests on its southern borders. So as we said, you get these troop movements, which also might have to do with the javelin missile attacks, or they might also have to do with the October 13th kidnapping of Luhans People's Republic official, Andrei Kosak. From a territory that all sides in the conflict consider to be neutral,
0: which is kind of a big thing that never really get got reported over here. Well, I mean, p- part of the part of what the part of what has to happen, like it's this, this is what happens at at the Halifax Security Forum, for example, this is what happens in these articles that get written written up in the Globe and everything. A lot of what has to happen is that there has to be a because this is such a weird, murky, strange. Uh, interaction, right? Because everything is so fucking weird, and there's no reason why you, as I don't know, an insurance claims adjuster from uh, Whitby, should care about it. Exactly. Like there's very little to make you care about it. So there has to. So they have to take this very again complex, strange, difficult to understand uh, uh, conflict, where sort of our goal seems to be to kind of fund everybody on both sides of it. Uh, you know, let's say creating some monsters that we might not be able to be, um, might not be able to control or whatever. Uh, it just, I mean, finding everyone's more of a Syrian thing, I suppose. But yeah. in this case, yeah, just let's say getting into bed with some monsters that we may or may not have fully understood the um, uh, extent of. Yes. That, you know, it you, they have to be made to care, which means it has to be simplified. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the job of um the job of uh uh, uh of of the the co- the journalists who are the tubes and places like the security forum is to remind everyone that it's very simple that this is a standard good guy bad guy story that there is an aggressor and an aggressed and that there is not this is not a complicated clusterfuck that we have no business anywhere near
1: exactly we basically. are here to help and speaking of complicated clusterfuck the end of this story mm-hmm. is is bleakly funny to me so one reason that the ukrainian government might have reversed their position on uh this like quote-unquote report being uh russian disinformation and are now saying no it's absolutely true is that there is a small matter of a 700 million dollar imf loan that was recently (laughs) approved so like ukrainian journalists have questioned if this approval uh if the approval of the loan was predicated on the government going along for the ride with the state department on this particular narrative. And this is the shittiest thing, which is super indicative of the totally helpless position that, the Ukraine, that, that Ukraine is in. So the loan is approved, but now will mainly have to be used to prop up a currency that is being devalued because everyone is afa- afraid of an apocalyptic confrontation with Russia.
0: Like, that's it. It ben. seems to me. It seems to me like everything we do in this situation has inflamed it and made it worse, like every other time that we have tried to do anything anywhere. Yes. 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 Great. And Perfect. You, Look, you know what? More guns, more money. I'm sure it'll work itself out if there are enough guns and money over there.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier today, but I think that particular. You know Kafka esque like slipping on a banana peel foreign policy thing is just indicative of two completely dysfunctional states interfacing with each other on a geopolitical level mm-hmm. like an America that is completely divided internally uh bureaucratically messed up has zombie foreign policy and are kind of just making things up as they go along, and that's reflected back in you know Ukraine's current like very complex interscene fighting between various security services and representatives of the IMF and uh nationalists. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a window into the future here where you have a, in Ukraine you have a total collapse of state power except in this super narrow band of like deputized paramilitaries and each of them have their own specific vision of the future of the country. And all you can do as, as the leadership is placate them enough that they don't fucking turn on you, you know, and do a coup. <laughs> and at, at, well, well the world, one of the world's greatest superpowers is pushing you into conflict with uh, another world power that has maybe the biggest land forces in, in, you know, on the planet. So
0: there's no winning. No, I mean, it's the, the only way to win is to not play. And... Well, uh, I'm sorry. Everyone in the Halifax Security Forum wants to play. Exactly. So we're playing. And by the way, you can't vote for any. If you want to vote to not play, you can't. Yeah. You can vote to play different. You can vote for your strategy as to how we play, sort of, within a very narrow band. But that's kind of about it. You know, there's this, this, it's, and this completely fucked up, uh, this completely fucked up situation that we've made worse at every turn. Just like thinking about its roots in in 2014, right? In just mm-hmm. these original articles, these these, these 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 articles and sort of Halifax forum speeches that come from NATO people that come from think tank connected people. I'm not saying it was they just made it up on the spot to like stoke a conflict that wasn't there, no. but they sure have been campaigning for our our lo- uh, uh, for our participation. And what is being sold as a very simple and morally uncomplicated activity? Exactly,
1: exactly. I mean, there are no uh, there are no good guys or bad guys. Like, like you have to have a child's brain to uh, to look at you know articles like the one we just covered from the Club Mail, or uh, you know, a fucking boring two hour long Halifax security forum on like. Uh, securing belarus's borders or whatever like there's no there's no good guys or bad guys what you can do is kind of inoculate yourself against this shit as a consumer of media you know willing or unwilling
0: yeah that's that's basically the the best that you can do yeah at this point (laughs) yeah oh well exactly anyway Shall we, uh, shall we bid these people goodbye until our, our next bonus episode? Let's, let's do
1: it. I know you're going to go home and you're going to dream of 1970s Tannoy
0: Speakers. I am very much going to dream of 1970s Tannoy Speakers. I would like to listen to different albums. On, you know what I want to listen to? I want to listen to Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks on them. Ah, ah, for the rich guitar tones. Yeah, Absolutely. I'd like to listen also, uh, continuing in that vein, I'd like to listen to uh, Pavement's gold sounds. <laughs> yes. Why not? <laughs> go? Tune. Why not go back to those
1: gold sounds?
0: Yeah, because uh, it's secret. Because yeah. it's secret. Cre- you know, I was once, uh, just a, a last little little story from my youth. I was once, uh, I was working in a cheese shop when I was young. I had three jobs when I was young. You were cheese, uh, I were in a cheese, winery. A cheesemonger's assistant. You were the cheesemonger's boy. I was the che- That's oh, that would be such a good book for an author to write. I was just the cheesemonger's that. boy. <laughs> All right, well, we're just gonna have to tell Rylan about that one. Yeah. Um, no, uh, uh, the um, uh, I worked in a winery, uh, sort of a very nice restaurant, and then um, a, a cheese store where I was the cheesemonger's boy. Uh, the store was called Cheese Secrets. <laughs> cheese, um, cheese secrets. You say that's right. Yeah. And uh, I was once, um, I was like stacking some biscuits on a wall, uh, like on a shelf on a wall, and I was singing gold sounds under my breath to myself. Yeah. The manager of the store was like, what do you just say to me? Because <laughs> he thought I was like muttering about him. And I was like, I'm singing gold sounds. I said, out on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins, Nature Kid's I
1: they don't have a function.
0: <laughs> also, uh, Torquil Campbell came in once.
1: What from yeah. stars? From the band from stars.
0: stars. I was putting mouthfully on microphone, Starstroke. <laughs> Busted That's at fun. the at cheese secrets. Tor- Torquil Campbell spotted a cheese
1: secret. Set yourself on fire and melt that Gruyere into a rich <laughs> um, slurry <laughs> that you can dip some bread in, fondue style.
0: <laughs> That's right. All right, so. Uh- So, Torquil Campbell, if you're listening to this, uh, do that. Oh, my. We should get Torquil Campbell on for a fucking rock talk. I'd like to say, hey, we met at Cheese Secret. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Time for me to go to bed. All right. Uh, Good night to everyone. uh, And we'll see you on the bonus episode in a couple of short days for a different conversation about rock and or roll with a, uh, let's just say, a guy who is famous. Uh, for betraying tom and drew yeah
1: I, I i don't know about that we should get to the bottom of that i kind of feel like yeah. i kind of feel like that guy's put up with a lot of shit from tom yeah <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out well,
0: we'll we're figure gonna figure out, it we'll out decide well,
1: who's the best friend
0: <laughs> yeah we'll find it's we're finally gonna
1: come to a decision it's friend well, decider right. on the bonus
0: <laughs> all right perfect all right bye everybody bye folks